Welcome again to our study of First Thessalonians. We're in chapter 4. At the end of the chapter, Paul has given a prophecy about what will happen on that day when Christ appears. The dead Christians will be raised. The living Christians will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And forever after that, they will be with the Lord. And Paul wrote at the end of chapter 4, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort suggests a promise of hope for every believer. Something great is in our future. That is, if you have believed. What Christ promised, he will do. What did he promise? He promised in John chapter 14 that he was leaving the apostles He would go to prepare a place for them and promised that he would come back to get them so that they would be where he is. Now, that promise wasn't restricted to just them, as Paul points out here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. It's for all believers. Christ intends to come back to meet the Christians in the air. They'll be snatched up off of the earth. Later, He's going to come all the way down to the earth, just as he left. Now, theologians often refer to this, which is described in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, as the rapture of the church. It's not the second coming. Christ will come back to the earth the second time, physically, and to the earth, after a seven-year period known as the Tribulation. It was Jesus who taught about this great tribulation in Matthew 24. He warned the disciples that this time of trouble was coming, and he said it was so awful that if those days had not been shortened, no one would have remained alive. Now, this appearing of Jesus Christ in the air signals our rescue from this world, and it is as certain as his resurrection from the dead and his life everlasting. Does God want us to understand prophecy? Well, the Bible has an awful lot of prophecy in it, and prophecy is intended for our comfort so that we can see what God is doing and that he is indeed in charge of all things that are happening. There's blessing promised according to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. It said, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written, because the time is near. This teaching of the Apostle Paul, this prophetic teaching in 1 Thessalonians 4, is a truth that involves the accuracy of the Bible. If Jesus is not coming for us, then there is no comfort at all in death. When will this happen, this seizing or this catching up of the saints? No man knows, but fools guess at it. Scores of predictions have failed. In recent times, that is relatively recent, such as 1975, in the city of Steele, Illinois, 285 men and women 
lived in this community believing that a depression in the mid-1970s would be followed by a collapse of the nation and then the appearing of Jesus Christ in 1980. Oh, they were so sure of it. But they were wrong. In 1977, in Granis, Arkansas, 30 believers waited for 10 months for Christ to return. A 67-year-old woman had told the group of a message that she received from God, and God had told her she claimed that the second coming of Christ was near. Well, those people quit their jobs, stopped paying their bills, and their houses and cars were repossessed, and finally a federal marshal evicted them from the last house where they were waiting for Christ to appear. But they were wrong. I have a book written by a man claiming the name of Elijah II. He's an engineer, and he writes, I am not a theologian or a doctor or anything, that I might take credit for any brilliant action in coming up with the timetables that God has revealed in this writing. And here are the predictions that he made. He said, Before the end of 1977, Israel will have conquered all the land promised to David. That didn't happen. He said, Russia will have a great war with Israel before the end of 1977. That didn't happen. Sounds like he's a false prophet. Then he claimed in 1980, the Messiah will come for his church. And that is on page 158 of his book. He was wrong again. Fools predict the return of Jesus Christ. Now, the return of Christ is an exciting subject of the New Testament. The Bible ends with Christ's promise to return in Revelation 22.20. Listen to it. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, writes John the Apostle. His return is our hope. This is the day of Christ. His second coming to the earth seven years later is said to occupy a larger part of the text of the scriptures than any other doctrine. Practically all prophecy focuses ultimately on this great event. You see, God has determined from the beginning of time that his Son will rule for the Father on the earth. He has made him both Lord and Christ, and men will bow to him. All nations will honor him, and they'll bend their knees before the Son of the living God. God is going to see to it that that comes about. Christ will come to the earth as he left it. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, he was on the Mount of Olives, and suddenly his apostles saw him ascend into heaven. Now, those angels who were there said, You men of Galilee, why are you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus will come back in the same manner as he went up into heaven. So we can expect from that a bodily return of Jesus Christ to the earth. He will come to the earth to judge, to rule, to destroy the Antichrist, 
and to fulfill the promises of God to David. Among those promises is that he will rule on David's throne and fulfill the covenant that God made with King David. Now, returning to Thessalonians, Paul continues in what probably should not have been a chapter break. In chapter 5, verse 1, he said, But as to the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When people say, There is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail comes upon a woman with child, and there will be no escape. But you are not in darkness, brethren, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. There can be little doubt that Paul had taught the Thessalonians and others had taught them correctly because he opens this chapter by saying, As to the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need to have anything written to you. In other words, they understood. They may have been ignorant about some things, but not about the times and the seasons. And unfortunately, that can't be said about the church today. So few people even understand the major, the two major divisions in the Bible, the Old and the New Covenants. They are confused about law and grace. They don't understand the uniqueness of the church and how the Spirit lives in everyone who believes, but he never lived in anyone before the cross. In spite of all the epistles, that have been written, and the prophecies that have been explained in the New Testament, people are still asking, like the ignorant apostles in that first century. After the resurrection, Jesus met with them, and he said, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. By that answer, Jesus indicated to them that God had fixed times and seasons. Christians ought to get with it. What are the times and the seasons? Well, we're living in the times of the church. These are the times when God is saving Gentiles as well as Jews and forming the church which Jesus promised he would build. It all started in the book of Acts when the Spirit was sent. He was sent to baptize people into the church. That's the only way you can get into the church but not by water baptism. This was the Spirit's baptism. It causes the believer to be united with Christ and to be united with every other true believer. It makes you a member of Christ's church. That's the spiritual church. Now, if you want to belong to a local church, that's up to you. 
but you must belong to his church in order to ever get to heaven because when Christ comes, he's coming for his church, not for your church. Now, the times and the seasons, then, is something that the Thessalonians obviously understood. They didn't know the dates of these seasons, but they knew the fact that there were seasons in God's program. There was the time of law, a 1,400-year period beginning with Moses. Before Moses' time, there was no law. Men were living by promise, and particularly Abraham, the patriarch. God made a promise to him. But some 430 years after Abraham... God introduced the law system as an administration over his people until Christ came. Then a new system was introduced. We call it the administration of grace, and we are living in it today. God is ruling his people by grace. After this will come that season of tribulation, and following that, a season of a 1,000-year reign known as the millennium. These are the seasons and the times which God has fixed, and tomorrow we'll talk more about these, particularly the day of the Lord, which seemed to be a problem to the Thessalonians. How much do you understand about grace? The word grace is found 155 times in the New Testament, and not many people understand its implications. The Radio Bible Course has a free booklet entitled Grace. We'd like you to have it. Don't send money. It's free. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.com.